Colossians and chapter 3. Colossians 3 tonight. That way we won't do this sit down, stand up uh, exercise. All right. We'll just have you remain standing as we read. We've been in the study of Colossians now for some time. And uh, we've been looking over the last couple of weeks at the, the kind of the lifestyle and conduct that's expected of a child of God. We're not under the law, we're under grace, and yet God expects from us uh, that we would live uh, uh, lives of holiness and, and lives that are pleasing to Him. But tonight, we're going to uh, just kind of back up just so that uh, it flows a little bit better, but we'll back up to verse number 9. Uh, where it says, Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. This is Colossians 3, 9, verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, Bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things... Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You can be seated tonight. So over the course of the last several weeks, as I mentioned, we considered really how we are to view ourselves in light of salvation. We even about three weeks ago talked about uh, the concept of, uh, that, that I think Paul was getting at, that our, uh, we are every bit as, as much children of God as Gentiles, uh, as uh, the Jews, the circumcision, uh, are in Christ that know the Lord because our circumcision, he said, is that which is inward. It's the, it's the hidden man of the heart. It's the circumcision that we have in Christ, right? And so from there, uh, this is how we understand ourselves and view ourselves in light of our salvation, that we do not follow after uh, the Old Testament law, trying to make ourselves righteous before God, touch not, taste not, handle not, as though that makes us right with God, but rather that we are to uh, live uh, in the grace of God and, and walking in the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God. And then last week we considered the expectation, really, that God has for us as His people to seek to live lives that are different from the world, that we are to mortify our members which are upon the earth. So if you follow that, kind of that logical flow, that logical process, you understand we are saved by grace, and, and that, that salvation that we have in Christ offers to us great freedom. And that freedom that we have in Christ is to really enable us, it's, it's the ground in which our sanctification grows because now we can live by the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit and He sanctifies us and, and we are more and more separated from the world. But now it's as though the focus shifts from how we are to live our conduct as Christians in a general sense to now how we interact with one another 
as God's people. And I think that this is important really when you consider it because sometimes what happens, if we're not careful, our sinful flesh leads us down this path. We get saved by grace and we experience the freedom that, is, that we have in Christ. And some people then stop there and they never really grow in their sanctification, but what they'll do is they'll start looking at other people and start maybe criticizing. Or... Maybe they do grow in sanctification. They become more Christ-like, at least in cer certain areas of their life. They're putting off the old man, and they're putting on the new man. But then what begins to happen is sometimes they get swelled up in pride a little bit and begin looking down our noses at other people. And sometimes in churches like ours, where we do place an emphasis on separation, on holiness... It's, it's easy for God's people to have a critical spirit toward others. And that is not of God. That is not of the Lord in any way. And so tonight, as we look at these verses, particularly verses 11 through 14, this is an admonition to us in regard to how we are to interact with other people, other saved believers in Christ. And notice he says in verse number 11, he says, where, this is in Christ, we are created in Him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. The first issue that he addresses in relation to church life and relationships is the issue of prejudice. Now that's an interesting thought, that he, he addresses this issue of prejudice. Did you know that from very, very early on in New Testament church life, uh, there was division over issues such as socioeconomic class and ethnicity and religious background. These were reasons that uh, churches were becoming divided. If you remember, as early as Acts chapter 6, just very shortly after the church there in Jerusalem began to grow in size, there arose a murmuring within the church. Now we would look at that and say, division, murmuring in the church, this is a bad thing. But it takes it a step further. further. It says the murmuring was between the Grecians and the Hebrews. There was division over... Ethnicity. The Hebrews, those were the Jews that were, you know, the real Jews. And the Grecians, by the real Jews, the Hebrews were considered like second-class citizens. They, they were, okay, yeah, they're kind of part of us, but they, they're not the real deal. And there was this separation that took place. We could fast forward a little bit to the book of, or to the same book, two chapters ahead. Uh, the church is scattered because of persecution, and those that are scattered go everywhere preaching the word. One of those who goes out is a deacon by the name of Philip. He becomes Philip the Evangelist. Philip goes to Samaria. You know all about the Samaritans, don't you? They were those half breeds, they were half Jew, half Gentile. And by the Jews, they were despised. They were not of us, right? Well, some Jews or, or some, uh, some Samaritans started getting saved. 
And when word of that got back to Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem had to send Peter and John there to kind of figure out what's going on. What You mean Samaritans are getting saved? Now, if you think about this, Jesus had just said in chapter 1, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus had already said that, but for whatever reason, you know, in one ear and out the other, I guess. Okay, so now they're confused. Samaritans are getting saved, and then the big one happens in Acts chapter 10, two chapters later, when God sends Peter to Cornelius, who's a Gentile man. And, and Cornelius and his household get saved, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're baptized. And when word of that gets back to Jerusalem, Peter was in hot water. What are you doing baptizing these Gentiles, these non-Jews? There was prejudice. And did you know that prejudice has been an issue in churches from that time forward? In fact, prejudice is an issue in any and every situation where you get together a group of people that are, that, that, that are of, of mixed backgrounds. Mixed ethnicities. One of the things is, and, and, and listen, I'm not belittling in any way um, uh, the racism that has taken place in our nation's history, in our past, and, and, the, and, and any, any racism that continues to exist today. I'm not minimizing that. But do you know one of the reasons that that happens? You take a bunch of people from all over the world and you put them in one melting pot and they have opinions about each other. It's human nature for people to become prejudiced against one another, against other people. In fact, hold your place here in Colossians. I want to show you another example of this. Galatians chapter 2. Just a few pages back, Galatians chapter 2. And Paul addresses this issue that took place with Peter even though Peter was the, the first one to lead a Gentile to the Lord in the New Testament. Galatians 2 and verse number 11, notice what it says. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. By the way, for those who say, well, Peter was the first pope. <laughs> well, uh, he wasn't being treated like a pope here. He says, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, now understand James was, was uh, when, when he says they came from James, they came from the church in Jerusalem. Before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, the Jews. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, 
livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as though the Jews? So he basically says, listen, Peter was all in on Gentiles being saved until other Jews came around and then he kind of associated with his people and he was afraid of what they were going to think so he went and ate with the Jews and not with the Gentiles. And because Peter was a leader among them, it influenced other people to think the same way. So this has been a problem for a long time in churches where people are separated into groups, cliques, based upon, again, where you come from. Sadly, in history, in our nation, one of the big issues has been what your skin color is. I personally know a church that many, many years ago I mean 50 plus years ago. It was an all-white church. And if a black family walked through the doors of the church, they were told to find a different church. Do you know what that is called? Sin. Sin. Let me just say this. All racism is sin. And I don't care which side it comes from. I don't care if it's white people that look down on black people or black people that look down on white people or, 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 or Mexicans who look down on Puerto Ricans or whatever the case is. All racism is sin. Why? What is racism? Racism says that this person over here is worse than I am. I am better than they are because of my skin or because of my background. And it is wrong. It is sin. And it has no place in the church. It has no place in the church. It has no place in our lives. It has no place in society. And it has no place in the church. All right. So this is a problem. There was, there was racism. By the way, let me just say, Acts chapter 17 makes this very clear that God has made of one blood all nations of men. Did you know that you are related by blood to every other human being on the planet? You can't go that far back before we all run into this guy named Noah. And all of us are descended from him. And so there's no place for that. But there was division over this ethnicity. But you have to understand, the ethnicity really wasn't the only issue. It wasn't just the fact that we are, we are descendants of Abraham and you are not descendants of Abraham. But it had to do with the fact that as descendants of Abraham, even though they were in need, obviously Jews were in need of salvation just like the Gentiles were, they still considered themselves to be better than the Gentiles. I mean, okay, I needed Jesus, yes, but I, even before Christ, was more righteous than the Gentiles are. I mean, you know, I studied the Scriptures, I tried to follow God's laws, I did all these things, but those Gentiles, that's, that's like a, 
a kid who's raised in, in, in a Christian home and is taught truth and lives out truth in their life and they get saved and God does a work in their life and as they grow up and they're serving the Lord, God brings in into the church some recovering drug addicts and felons and people with a sordid past. And they look down on someone else because they don't have the same background. And let me tell you something, that happens. And I just want to say to you tonight, and I'm not accusing anyone of this here, but I want to say to you tonight that if someone walks through the doors of this church and they are covered in tattoos and piercings and they're wearing clothing that's maybe not appropriate and they just don't look the part, that they are every bit as valuable to the Lord as you and I. And God cares about them and Jesus died for them. And if they are lost, they need Christ. And if they are saved, they need the work of God in their life to bring about sanctification just like I do and just like you do. And there is no place for any one of us, and church kids, you need to hear me on this, you are not better than a bus kid that comes to this church. None of us are better than a homeless person that walks in off the street. We are all in need of grace. We are all in need of Christ. And here's what happens. When we get saved, something amazing happens. We become part of the same family. And what he says here in verse number 11 is that in Christ there is no Greek nor Jew no circumcision nor uncircumcision. They're, they're, those things are gone. Did you know that a, 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 a person of Hebrew descent who is a Jew, when they come to Christ, they are no longer a Jew? Do you know that? Oh, I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm a, I'm a believing Jew. No, you're just a believer. Well, I, I'm a Gentile. I'm a, I'm a Gentile by blood, by birth, but I'm no longer a Gentile. I'm a believer in Christ. And in Christ, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. There is no circumcision or uncircumcision. There are really only two types of people in this world. Those who are in Christ and those who are not. And for every one of us here who is in Christ, there are no more barriers between us. We are in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit living within us. There was potential and is potential in churches for division and prejudice based on ethnicity, based on background, based on socioeconomic status, based on education. Notice he says in Christ there's no barbarian. That's a term for kind of an uncultured, uneducated person. Scythian. I did some looking into the Scythians. The Scythians were a, a group of people that came out of modern-day Iran, and they were a nomadic people. And they were looked at by most of the world as being 
um, kind of crooked and deceitful. Let, let me give you, and without me sounding prejudiced hopefully tonight, let me give you an example, a modern day example of how they were viewed. Gypsies. You ever been around gypsies? Do you know how they're viewed in society? I remember uh, as a teenager, I worked in a grocery store and uh, the carnival would come to town. And, and, and you know, a lot of the folks that worked in the carnival were, were like Roma gypsies. And they had a reputation for stealing. And so when, when the carnival would come to town, they would schedule more people to work uh, to try and keep an eye on when the carnival folks came in to make sure that they weren't stealing. Now, without getting into all of that, I just want to say that, that, honestly, gypsy people, wherever they go, are often looked down on. Well, the Scythians were kind of like that, but they were almost considered like the scum of the earth, like the off-scouring of the earth. And so the word Scythian became a euphemism, it, it was like an insult to people. You're just a skinny, and that's what you are. So imagine if that was a mindset of certain people. Oh, that guy that just came off the street, he's a, I don't even know how, to, he's a skinny. Listen, Paul said, no, 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 no. Not in Christ. Not in Christ. In Christ, no Greek no Jew, no circumcision, no uncircumcision, no barbarian, no Scythian. Notice this, neither bond nor free. Slaves or free people, all the same. Why? Because, listen, here is why all prejudice can be put aside. Not because we're all humans and we all just need to love each other, and we all just need to hold hands and sing kumbaya, and you know, we'll be okay. Because the problem is, if that is our reasoning, there's always going to be conflict. But here's what Paul is saying. There is no place for prejudice because in Christ, Christ is all in all. In other words, Hunter... I am commanded to love you, not just because you are my fellow human being, but because Christ has saved you, and your Savior is my Savior. And I love you because He is all in all. In other words, I love you because I love Him, and I can't love Him without loving you. And, and, and this is true, and I'm not just picking on Hunter tonight. I, I would love you anyway, brother. I would. But... but the thing is, we are to love one another not just because we like each other, not just because we're, uh, you know, we're supposed to get along. Oh, be nice and get along. That's not what he's saying. He says Christ is all in all. If you have Christ as your Savior and they have Christ as their Savior, all of the other barriers between you go away and Christ needs to be at the center of that relationship. I think one of the, the, the greatest needs of our churches today is that we would put aside personal preferences, personalities, common interests, set all of that aside and put Christ at the center of our relationships. If Christ was the center of our conversations, if Christ was at the center of our thoughts, 
we wouldn't have conflict between the brethren. And so he says, in Christ, he is all in all, and there is no more barrier. Based upon this, verse 12, put on therefore, remember we talked about putting off the old man, putting on the new man, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. This is how we are to approach one another. Meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Listen. I, I, think this is, I think this is what I'm going to do. The next time someone comes to me with a problem with someone else in the church, I'm just going to take them right here. Say, put on therefore as the elect of God bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Does that not solve literally all conflict? It, I mean, that's the solution. Oh, yeah, but you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You, you don't know how they treated me. You don't know how they act when they're not in church. Listen, we are to put on Christ. And Christ is all of these things. Listen, if it were not for Christ's mercy, I'd be hopeless. And so would you. And so if you're in Christ, He says, listen, you need to learn to show compassion, to show kindness, to show patience, to show grace. What does this mean? In context, it means this. As the Lord is working in my life, and I look at my brother, and maybe he is not today where I am today. I am not to look at him as though I'm better than him. I am to show grace and mercy and love and patience and kindness. And even when he wrongs me, I am to forgive him as Christ forgave me. This is how we are to behave. This is the new man and his relationships. And then very quickly, I want to look at verse number 14. Look what he says. And above all these things. Okay, everything we've just said is pretty important. But above all of these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So he talks about perfection. Now, we understand that oftentimes in the Bible, when it talks about perfection or perfectness in regard to a human being, it's not talking about a state of sinlessness. It's, it's not saying you're going to reach a, a level where you will never struggle again. That, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that word perfection or perfectness is in relation to completion. It's in relation to a fulfillment of maturity. 
In other words, we could say it this way. The measure of spiritual maturity is the degree to which we have learned to love God's people. Now, if I were to go through the room and just kind of survey and say, what do you think is the greatest measure of spiritual maturity? I think it'd be interesting some of the answers that we might get. You know, we might get people to say, well, you know, a person who has learned uh, to walk with the Lord and make that a, a practice in their life. Or maybe you'd say, you know, a, per, a person who has learned to overcome uh, sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, a person who is really faithful in serving the Lord. I, I mean, a mature Christian does these things. Um, a mature Christian knows how uh, to... to, to uh, a mature man knows how to lead his family according to the Word of God. All of these things are, would be great answers. But according to this, the measure of perfection, the measure of spiritual maturity is in putting on charity. Biblical love. Do you remember that Jesus said in John 13 and verse 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. That is the measure of maturity. Now, that might sound simple, and it might even sound to you like somewhat of a cop-out. Because there are those out there who kind of would take a verse like this and then throw out all the previous verses and say, hey, let's not talk about all that. All we need to do is love one another. Well, this doesn't negate everything that's been taught up to this point. Loving one another is not an excuse for carnality and, 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 and unholiness within God's house. That's not the, the point at all. But what he is saying is, listen, you need to emphasize having love one toward another, putting on charity, because that is the measure. That is the bond of perfectness. Because our maturity is often measured by love. Let me be very honest with you. It's not that difficult for me to walk with God. And it's not that difficult for me to learn to overcome sin as I yield to the Holy Spirit and, and, and walk in His Spirit. And it's not that difficult for me to be busy serving the Lord and doing things that I ought to do. But I struggle sometimes in the love department. I know that's probably hard for you to believe, but it is true. There are people that it is easier for me to love than others. But I need, the, I need the Lord to work in my life, and you need the Lord to work in your life to help us to grow in our love so that we can put off the old man and put on the new man, which is putting on Christ, which is putting on His love and His mercy and His kindness and His forgiveness. And so I just want to ask tonight, are we truly loving one another? Are we showing the compassion and forgiveness and mercy of the Lord? Do we have a tendency to look down at other people who aren't exactly like us? 
Folks, we are to put off the old man and put on the new man, not only in relation to our own personal conduct, but in relation to the way that we interact with others of God's people. 